Hey, good morning, Trinity Heights Church. Thanks for joining us all this morning. As you all know, the past five weeks we've spent in the book of Galatians, and uh, Stephen has gone through the, the whole book, um, Paul's letter to the Galatians. And uh, one of the first things right off the bat, Stephen, that, that you addressed was Paul's emotional tone. There's a sense of urgency. He doesn't seem too happy. And in fact, you said that that's actually what makes Galatians relevant to us today, because we can all at least get on board with that emotion, that intense emotion. We all know what it feels like to be angry or to be on the receiving end of someone's frustration and anger. Sure. Well, I was thinking of it in terms of the fact that a lot of the contents of the letter, if you if you think about it, there's a lot of stuff that talk about crucifixion and circumcision mm. and these ancient covenants, and, and and that can seem very distant and and uh, irrelevant. And and so I was trying to think, well, well, how do we connect with this letter? Well, actually, the emotional tone is what you pick up on straight away. It, it is right. full of emotion and and that does cross millennia and it crosses it's incredible isn't it, it crosses these 2000 years <laughs> yeah. uh, and it and it hits us and uh, and it crosses uh, cultures as well you, you really don't have to speak french to know when someone's sad or or um chinese to know when someone's happy or or, or what have you um and uh, what you discover is the, the the pacing in this letter is just right. is all off. You know, he's, he's immediately sort of saying things like, I'm astonished and, and I, I fear I fear for you that I've wasted my efforts on you and, and I'm perplexed and I'm going through the pains of childbirth and, and all of these different phrases that, that he, he uses, which just convey all of that, that emotion very, very clearly. Right. And I, I liked how you talked about how Paul in his letter to the Galatians is actually subverting the structure of his normal uh, letter. So his go to um, introduction, uh, you know, talking about how he's he misses them so much. And then he kind of goes through the, the this standard structure. But in the case of the Galatians, nope, all bets are off. He's going to confront them to their face and they're going to really uh, feel uh, his wrath it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of letter i mean yeah. he, you know and, and as i said in the series i just can't imagine being the person who because of course these letters would have been read aloud and i'm just imagining being the person who had to start reading it out loud to mm -hmm. the congregation and, and pretty quickly you discover that way well, this is not a normal letter because yeah. uh yeah it's true he he has a sort of general structure to his letters where he he says look here's the the introduction uh then he he the formal introduction is followed by uh, the praise and thanksgiving for his recipients uh, and then he starts to build up a theological case um and sometimes some of the, the specific issues he wants to address uh, are sort of being addressed already in that theological case. But what he's doing is he's building up a, a case so that he, he's sort of outflanking his, his readers mm. so that by the time he gets to mention those specific uh, situations and, and, and issues that he wants to deal with, they're already with him. They're, they've already been taken there through the, yeah. the theologizing that Paul's been doing. But that's not how this works in, in, <laughs> in, this, uh, in this letter, not at all. Right. And I, I mean, you got you got right to the point and you said that the reason he's so upset, the reason he's confronting them to his their face and subverting the normal structure of the letter is because they've actually turned away from the gospel and embraced a false gospel that that, that he's saying is, is no gospel at all. That's, that's right. And um, you're, you're right. He sort of says he tells that story, doesn't he? Of, of Mm -hmm. Peter and saying when Peter started acting this way refusing to sit with his fellow brothers and sisters because they weren't 
Jewish or they weren't following the, the law, Jewish customs, uh, and, and he sat separately from them. He says, I confronted them to his face. But of course, what Paul's really doing is he's confronted by telling them the story, he's confronting them to their face. And, and, then, and then he tells, actually tells a whole series of stories, you know, in, in that mm. first uh, set, section, the first couple of chapters. It's almost sort of semi-autobiographical. He's just telling these stories of his own experiences, um, the confrontation with Peter. Uh, he talks about going to with Titus and discovering that Titus, no, even though he was surrounded by Jewish people, did not need to be circumcised. Mm. Um, uh, he talks about having persecuted the church. Uh, he talks about his ministry to the Gentiles. And, and what we discover is that all of these stories are moving in the same direction. They all move away from exclusion to the inclusivity, away from mm -hmm. separation and division to togetherness, um, division away from division towards, towards unity. Um, and so effectively the stories that he's telling, sometimes we think, well, he's just telling these stories and he'll eventually get to his point. Well, actually, no, this is, these stories are the point. They are the and, point, and, right. And he's already brought us deep into yeah. uh, the, the heart of the matter uh, in those first two chapters. We don't have to wait to get to chapter three once he's done storytelling to get to, to the heart right. of the matter. He's, he's already brought us through numerous instances of it, uh, as it as he's been telling these stories. Yeah, I, I get the sense that, that through the stories, he kind of is showing love and grace to the Galatians, but yet in his language, at least at the beginning, he, he is willing to go into very risky relational territory. Uh, essentially, uh, he has a, he's willing to, to break the relationship, uh, is, is what I, the feeling that I get. And, um, and, and yet, within that, I, I, I like how he, he says uh, in, in chapter four, verse 20, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone. Right. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he's, he's breaking the fourth wall, as it were. And, and, and you know, I, um, I think, you know, he's just recognizing the limitations of, of putting this in writing, all of this emotion in writing. He knows, as you said, you know, use the word, it's a risky, it's a risky business doing that. But uh, he knows that if he doesn't do this, that they're going to be cutting themselves off from him or cutting him out of their lives anyway because that's where this gospel is going to take them yeah. it leads to this division and separation um yeah. so he's he i think he's like well what's there to lose and so and so he's he's just letting them have it as it were um and and, yeah. and i think you know but but he, he does he, he breaks the fourth wall and uh you know i'm reminded of of um some some friends who they're actually married now with with, the, with their first child but uh, when they when they i, I met them in, in when they were in in their first few years in college and, and they'd started dating mm -hmm. and they just they made the they told me they'd made the decision they weren't going to discuss anything of any serious import through text because they <laughs> they knew that that they'd seen so many friends with end up with so many misunderstandings and you you know how yeah. that is you can't really read the tone in a text <laughs> is he being funny or, or is he being serious or, or whatever and, and and so they decided not to do that and and i think paul is just again it's a little bit like that he's saying i do wish i didn't have to text this to you but uh <laughs> here, here, here goes yeah here goes um well yeah yeah i mean i like that he's able to risk uh, breaking the relationship that, that, that he feels uh, comfortable enough to go there uh, he's putting a lot of, of trust in, in the Galatians and and I think he also knows uh, very well that if, if he's not sort of confronting this false gospel like you said it is going to head into a place of even deeper broken relationships not just between him and them but between between themselves and each other right and um, it's what it's what happens every time we start mm -hmm. making 
our list and we've all got different lists in our head um, mm -hmm. we're all guilty of this you know but, but we all make these lists in our head of here's the grounds upon which i can be with someone and here's the grounds upon which i can't be with someone and the moment you do that it's that somewhere along the way you, we're going to end up we're going to end up yeah. parting company yeah and just to to highlight it i i loved it was the, the end of sermon one where you used the um the metaphor of of music dissonance in music mm. and you said that that paul like a composer is is creating an immense amount of tension and dissonance within this composition of the letter or this musical composition in order to um form the galatians hearts and get their hearts to a place where where they just need that mm. resolution just like 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 a musician would would create the dissonance and we would long for the the resolution yeah to, when you're to, listening to, to that discord yeah. music you're just you just the listener is just waiting and, and for, yeah. for that resolution and yeah i think paul is doing something like that in this letter he's 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 amping up the tension he's allowing them mm -hmm. to feel the consequences of, of where this kind of thinking leads um mm -hmm. so that you know i think by the end of the letter they're 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 just longing for that that togetherness again that resolution that togetherness that only the true gospel can bring, which I think brings us to our mm. next point, because mm. in part two, you talk quite a bit about what Paul's version of the true gospel mm. is. And you said it, it's all kind of rooted in the Jewish understanding of the word gospel, as well as the pagan Greek and Roman understanding of the word. Right, because there, there tends to be this sort of sometimes people say, no, the, the Roman pagan background is the background you should ought to think of. Paul's living in that Roman world. Uh, but no, wait, Paul's a Jewish thinker. So maybe that's the appropriate background. Actually, the answer is yes. You know, which one is it? Is it, is it this one or that one? The answer is yes. It's, it's, it's both. Um, because really, Isaiah, in, 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 when, he, when he uses the phrase good news, it's always in, it's in the context of 15 chapters where the whole 15 chapters he's constantly saying god is the true god he's king of kings and god of gods and lord of lords and all of these other gods are false they're they're right. they're, they're um, parodies of the of the real thing mm -hmm. um and so in a way the 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 jewish claim has always had in view the pagan claims and mm. so here we are a paul in the roman empire with the roman god caesar claiming to be god of gods and and mm. uh, lord of lords and uh, and so yes of course the, the 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 it's both both and and, and the jewish uh, claim uh, brings brings him into into confrontation with the with the roman roman claim um right and i i, I loved how how you put it, and I mean, I think Paul puts it this way too, but you just said that it's, uh, they're turning away from the one true God and putting all of their attention uh, towards these weak and miserable mm. forces, right? Uh, the, essentially mm. these these smaller pagan gods. This is this is the shocking thing of what Paul yeah. is saying because these people are thinking, well, we're good, being good, good monotheists, and we're and we're we're really um, you know following the Jewish law, and 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 Paul saying. Actually, this this looks like a, a form of paganism to me, uh, but because it's, it's all about blood and soil and nationalism, um, and um, he he's he's saying, look, this is uh, this is this is actually the sort of thing that leads to division, and so this is the mo of Caesar, this is the mo of Pharaoh, divide and conquer, divide and conquer, um, and actually this is the opposite of the. The vision that is is given to Abraham of this multi-ethnic monotheistic family where where it's it's all about togetherness. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's interesting because the 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 false gospel 
and these weak and miserable forces rather than being about togetherness are actually, if we're being completely sort of open about it, they're infused with, with violence and, and, and fractured society, right? And, and I, I love this Wendell Berry quote that you mentioned where he says, if we are serious about peace, then we must work for it as ardently, seriously, continuously, carefully, and bravely as we have ever prepared for war. And while we're on the topic of violence, uh, I, 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 think, I love that. that I love yeah. that quote, and, I, and I'm just uh, it, it's I just never thought about it in those terms, really. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but but actually, yes, if if we have to, if people prepare to go to war. But actually, mm -hmm. preparing for for peace is is probably going to be even doubly prepared, <laughs> right? Right, and and I think that brings us to part three, actually, because when we think about violence and the wrath of God, or 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 the violence that that might be present in in the paganism or or, mm. or these other small gods, uh, and which is why actually Paul is so upset because he's saying if you're turning away from the one true gospel then you're actually leaning in towards a, a gospel of, of violence. Um, then we get to penal substitution, which you spent all of part three talking about, and uh, essentially saying, what's Paul's view on penal substitution? If he's against the violence that's in being injected into the, the, the community uh, in Galatia, then uh, how does he, you know, how does he actually view penal substitution? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because we're, we're told over and over again that, that have been by, by many teachers that, that penal substitution is the Christian understanding of the mm -hmm. cross. This is how Paul makes it very clear. The cross is central to him. He, he make, has these very absolute statements of I preach Christ crucified. Uh, I want to know Christ and him crucified. Um, and I, I have been crucified. And Galatians said I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. Um, so he makes it very, very central. So then how are we to understand it? And we're told often this, the only way to understand it is this idea of a God working out his wrath through a violent act on someone else, on, on Jesus. Right. Um, and um, it, it's interesting because you, 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 you know, I think I quoted C.S. Lewis there who, who talks about the fact that these are more like maps or diagrams or, or theories about how the cross might work. But right. he says, don't confuse the thing, the, 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 the theory with the thing itself. And if you yeah. find a particular theory not actually working for you, and, and I have to say, I've come across many, many people uh, okay. in recent years who, who for whom they just find that whole idea of God working out is rather through violence on another person. Um, they find it very hard to, to that's just not helpful at all right. um, for, for understandable reasons. And so C.S. Lewis is essentially saying, well, we'll put, put that theory aside then. Don't, don't, you know, mm -hmm. the, and, and he actually has really, really good historical grounds for that, as, as, I, as I mentioned, because actually, if you, if you go back to the ancient creeds, the Athanasian creed, the Apostles' creed, all of, all of the ancient creeds, um, it's not mentioned. The, the penal substitution right. is not mentioned. So you can actually hold to all the creeds, which is essentially how we've been uh, sort of defining orthodoxy, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you could actually be a very orthodox Christian without ever mentioning penal substitution or, or believing that's how it, the theory of how it works. Yeah, um, and I've, I mean, I, I've come up against it where I've felt like, well, if you're not, um, if you're not fully invested in penal substitution, then you're outside of the bounds of Orthodox Christianity. Right, so you've, and, and yet you've it, heard uh, this. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And, and but but to hear, you know, C.S. Lewis talk about it as, as more of just sort of maps about how this the cross might play out uh, really takes a lot of of, of weight off. Um, and uh, and I think it's helped me just understand it in, in a more real, uh, real way. And, and, and there's different interesting historical um, mm -hmm. incidents surrounding the different maps and why one map has been emphasized over another at different times and how those maps were drawn and when they were drawn, um, mm. which also shed a, a bit of, of, of light on things. But yeah, so that's historical context of, of even the maps themselves is, is, is worth considering. Right. Um, I liked what you said too about uh, Paul uh, boasting in in the crucifixion. He talks about the the cross um, uh, as being foolishness to those who are mm -hmm. perishing, but uh, to us being saved, it's it's the power uh, uh, of God. And um, I think I've been thinking lately a lot about how when he says I I, I boast in Christ and, and Him crucified, he's actually. Uh, it's a strange statement because he's saying I'm pr I'm proud and I'm I'm going to actually verbally tell you how proud I am about this terrible thing that that happened and uh, and essentially seems seemed like like in ancient eyes as a failure right uh, Jesus the, the the failure of, of of Jesus's ministry and yet it's our it's our hope and it's the power of, of, of God. So yeah, in fact, crucifixion I mean, was so disgusting and so disdained yeah. that it just wasn't something that you talked about in polite circles in Roman mm -hmm. culture. Even though it was a form of Roman execution, they crucified tens of thousands of people. It just wasn't right. something you even were meant to sort of mention in in public, as as it mm -hmm. as it were. So your your connection with you connecting with failure there is exa ex exactly exactly right. And I, and I think that that's what what's the the, the interesting thing is that. Whenever Paul talks about the centrality of the cross, I preach Christ crucified, or I've just determined to know Christ and him alone, and him mm -hmm. crucified alone. Uh, you know, whenever Paul uses these phrases, it's always connected in First Corinthians uh, chapter one, chapter two, in Galatians. It's always connected with the way that then adjusts or, or absolutely turns upside down his relationship to the world. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. It's affected his relationship to the, the system of values of the, the, that the, the world has. It is, it is turning them upside down. The weakness of God is, is stronger than the strength of the world. Mm -hmm. And the, the foolishness of God is more wise than the, the wisdom or the wisest of the wise of the, of the, of the world. So it's this, 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 the cross turns upside down that value system. Um, right. and, and so that's, this is the interesting thing is that the, I think, um, instead of it reinscribing that very violent, you know, we, we we're, our world is so invested in the idea that the way we set about putting right a situation is through redemptive violence. We use mm -hmm. violence. This is the bad guys get their comeuppance. The good guys met out their punishment. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're, we're invested in that myth of redemptive violence. And, right. and retributive justice. And, and so the cross, if we understand it in the terms of God using violence, you know, working out his wrath through this violent act, um, that actually just reinscribes the world system of values. Mm. Um, but actually, when Peter talks about and Paul talks about the cross, says that you crucified him, you, you, we, you crucified him, but God has meant it for something else, and God has raised him from from the dead. Um, and and so it, it's actually uh, the reversal and turning upside down of those values. It's, it's the breaking of that cycle of of 
viol redemptive violence. It's, it's, it's subverting, mm. subverting that, that myth of, of uh, uh, retributive justice. Yeah, yeah. I, I like what Stanley Harwas says. He says, uh, he says, you know, you may see the cross as a violent act, um, and you may even understand that the cross uh, might make the world more peaceful. He's like, but you're still missing the point. Even if you think the cross is making the world more peaceful, you've missed the point that the cross actually is mm -hmm. the world's peace. Yeah. And uh, to me, that has just been sort of echoing in my head ever mm -hmm. since I, I heard him say that in that interview. And I think it uh, applies very beautifully here. Yeah. Um, I think uh, if we can move on, um, because you spent a, a little bit of time later on in, in the series talking about um, Paul's view of the present evil age, right? And mm -hmm. uh, I, I thought that that was, it was funny because it is so easy to interpret him uh, as, as being this kind of curmudgeon and saying, kids these days, this day, you know, these days are evil. It used to be yeah. better in the past. And kids, kids these days. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud of my uh, yeah. Grandpa Simpson impression. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. And so, but when he says the present evil age, um, uh, you, you had a different way of, of, of kind of talking yeah, about it. Yeah, it. it's really, it's, I mean, we read that, we think, oh, he, he, he's sort of looking down on, on secular uh, or contemporary right. culture and, and art and music and or, or, mm -hmm. or whatever, or, or habits and, and, and convention. And, and actually, this just, it's just not, not really the, the case. What, what he's doing is he, he's looking, he's looking back, he looks back to the ancient past, not because he thinks, oh, there's a golden age back there. If only we could get back to the good old days, the golden era. It's not that at all. He just looks back to Abram and he, and he, and he remembers that promise that one day there is going to be this multi-ethnic Mm -hmm. unified single monotheistic family of god mm -hmm. and he looks around him in his own day with with you know caesar making his claims and dividing and conquering and dividing and conquering and he mm -hmm. and, and so when 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 we are divided in this way and at each other's throats and 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 canceling each other and and uh, walking away from each other this is that's what he's talking about this is this is yeah. the present evil age um but so he looks he looks back to, to Abraham, to that promise, and then from the ancient past looks to our um, mm -hmm. future. Perhaps it's a distant future, but he looks to our future, and he says that that's that's the promise. This is this is where this is where everything's in, everything's heading. Yeah, yeah. It was really helpful actually for for me to picture it that way of, of him standing in the present, looking to the promise of the past, and almost boomeranging around gaining momentum from that past promise right and then shooting off into the the future uh the thing that, that i find interesting is that um and you mentioned this, is that the emphasis then is not when we when we shoot off into the future then the emphasis is not on personal salvation uh we're not shooting off towards um you know going to heaven when we die but rather understanding that we're saved by grace yes uh but then the emphasis is on becoming the covenant people of God and understanding that, um, that oh, you're breaking, breaking up there. Did you freeze? Yeah, you, you've you've frozen, unfortunately. 
Okay, you're back. You're back. Okay, let's. So, 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 oh, so no, tell, tell, tell me what you were oh, saying. No. Tell me what you're saying. <laughs> they can edit this. <laughs> Dave, edit it. Edit it here. Edit it here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, where did you hear me before I broke up? Uh, you, 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 were, you were saying that when we when we go, looked, we're going to the future. We're, we're not just yeah. um, becoming uh, going off to our individual eternal destiny, but actually, right. it's about us now becoming the, the covenant people of God. That's right, and and I, I was just saying that. I'll, I'll just do it. I'll just say it again, just in case. So, sure, go ahead. Dave, you know, um, it was really helpful, Stephen. I, I, you know, for me, w- when you actually talk about Paul standing in the quote-unquote present evil age that, that, that he mentions, but he's actually looking back to the past and, and, and actually boomeranging around the, pro, the original promise, right, of, of Abraham and gaining momentum over here in order to, to launch us and cast vision on what the future holds. And, right. and I, I think that to me is, is very beautiful because he's not... Um, he's not saying you know that 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 kids these days or he's not saying culture is evil as much as we have uh the promise to acknowledge and then that actually sends us off into the future and then i I did like i mean you 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 talked about how it wasn't that the future is not so much uh about personal salvation or going to heaven when you die but about um understanding who is or who are the covenant people of God and knowing that, that Jesus is the one who binds us together. Right. And, and so it, it gives, it gives, I think it gives an incredible sort of seriousness or gravity or weight to, to every, mm-hmm. every time we choose unity over division, every time we choose to love instead of hate, every time we choose togetherness instead of enmity. Um, we're, when we're doing that, we we keep looking back to this ancient promise and and yeah, we, we sort of, as you put it, boomerang back and sort of to we look to the horizon uh, mm-hmm. to to what comes next. That's so beautiful, and it was a great sermon series. I really appreciate uh, all the work you put into it, and uh, we look forward to what's next. <laughs>